yeah, what I've learned from it, and if there's any aspiring creatives out there, is don't let the lack of professional equipment prevent you from making art. You know, you don't have to have the nicest thing on Sweetwater's website or anything like that. It's just, you just kind of got to do it and, you know, be a good steward of what you, what you have. Well, Cody Curtis, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for braving the heat to get here. Yeah, happy to. It's been crazy lately. Yeah. Um, And also, thanks for for making time. I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate it. This is great. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Love what y'all are doing. Um, So, you had a music album release. We did, yeah. So, last Thursday, I think, is when it it went out to the public. Yeah, we're... Jude, our third, our, really our third major album. We're so excited about having it out there now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great. I've listened to it now a couple times, and Thanks. it's it's a great experience. Um, I'd like to get into the the process of of how you do a project on this scale, and uh, also just using books of the Bible in general with music. But first, do you want to give a quick overview of what Solos is, in yeah. case anyone listening hasn't encountered it yet? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Solos, it's Solos with a P. It's just one of those silent P words, so P-S-A-L-L-O-S. Solos is a group my wife and I started in 2012. We were living in Greensboro, North Carolina at that time. And I'd been writing uh, music ever since I really got into music. I think it was about 14 or 15 when I first got into music. Okay. And um, I just always liked, liked writing it, and I became a believer around that time. And um, so we were in Greensboro, just gotten married, working on my master's degree in composition. And uh, we were at a little a church there, and um, I was part of the uh, preaching team, so I was doing expository preaching. And uh, I really hadn't been writing songs a lot lately, uh, but I, as I was learning how to, to preach scripture, um, I kind of found a natural overlap there, uh, intersection between writing songs and uh, and preaching and so I we did Romans Romans was actually in 2015 so before that we did an album called Slave Songs and mm-hmm. I guess to answer your question more immediately Solos it's 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 a group that uh, our goal is to create uh, theologically rich music and um, artistic music as well we we're trying to write uh, I know this is a loaded term but good quality uh, intentional music that teaches scripture in a very full. A full way, not just focusing on certain theological doctrines, but trying to teach all of, all of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And um, so we started out with that idea to do it and um, trying to elevate and enrich the current uh, stream of contemporary Christian music and uh, also really to center it and align it with, with the Bible. And uh, so we've, we've done that, and we did a couple albums or one album by ourselves, and um, yeah, then we kind of moved on to, to our New Testament letter mm-hmm. albums. So you said you were leading music at church at the time and that was how it kind of that's how this whole project sort of emerged in the first place yeah it was it in was. a church context specifically it was in church local church context separate fellowship of greensboro um i was the music uh, director there and then i went through a year of pastoral training mm-hmm. and uh so i was able to start preaching and actually so romans came about which really we think about it as our first major album that came about um the pastor uh, he knew that I wrote, wrote songs, and he was, he had come to the doxology at the end of Romans 11, and he asked me if I, you know, a few weeks, uh, probably four weeks before, if I would write a song that we could then perform yeah. um, whenever he preached through that. And so I wrote this little song called Oh, the Depth, um, and it was just verbatim with 
uh, with the text there at the end of uh, chapter 11. And it was okay. I didn't. I, I kind of wrote it quickly. wasn't super happy about it, but they loved it. But, mm-hmm. you know, your church always likes your music. And then after that, uh, I had the, the idea of, well, wouldn't it be neat if, um, if I took all of Romans and put it to music? And this one being a, a word-for-word setting of it, I started doing the math. I think it was like three or four verses, the doxology is. And I think there's over 430 verses in Romans. So I thought, wow, that's, that'd be a long, really long album if it was word-for-word. Uh, then I had the idea, well, what if it was more of a paraphrase presentation yeah. of, of Scripture? Kind of think about like a sermon series as a, a pastor would divide it into different different sermons. And so that's where um, the idea for Romans came about. It was just kind of an accidental sort of writing music on it. And then after the doxology, I wrote, um, let's see, I think the first song, Paul uh, from Romans, and I'm not ashamed. These were just for fun. I didn't have any plans with them. And then um, lo and behold, we ended up um, pursuing it and doing a whole album out of it. That's interesting. So you started with the doxology. Yeah. And then kind of worked my way backwards, um, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Started, with, started with the first one. And then, um, yeah, Romans, because with Romans, this is the first time we'd ever done it. And we didn't really have a reference point for any other group doing it. I think there are groups out there, but I, I didn't, didn't have a model to follow uh, so much, and so I was with Romans. I was just really um, just writing what I thought would translate well to the listener, trying mm-hmm. to be creative with that. And um, yeah, kind of, we had to kind of figure out our process through through that one. And so we, we I wrote that one in 2014, and then we recorded it and released it in, in 2015. I'm sure that you've had people ask you this before, but what on earth possessed you to start with the Book of Romans? Yeah, I think if I had just mapped them out, I wouldn't have. Like, and I had this this plan of I'm going to do all the New Testament letters because it's 16 chapters. Yeah, it's 16 chapters, and it's just it's probably probably the deepest uh-huh. book. Uh, it's the closest we have to a systematic theology in the Bible. Right. And um, yeah, I think in, if, if again if I had maybe mapped it out, I might have started there. But it's it is the first epistle in the New Testament epistle, so it's sort of the gateway of them all. And in that way, I think it's a fitting starting point. I think once you, because I focus so much on soteriology uh, of our salvation, justification by faith, I think that's it's a good place to start as we then move into the other the other letters. And um, yeah, so it was it wasn't and it like a, a thought out. Hey, let's do Romans first. It was just that's what I was writing. And yeah. I love Romans. And yeah, most. Most believers, they that is one of their favorite letters because it's the it manifests the glory of Christ so well in our salvation, and uh, very organized, kind of easy to understand in some ways. Well, the the paraphrase style of translating works nicely with something like Romans. Yeah, sixteen chapters. Yeah, there's yeah. there's no way. And some of the songs, I mean, for example, there's the song called uh, "I'm Not Ashamed of the Gospel," and it's that's pretty close to the text, and that's only two or three verses. But then there's some songs. Uh, from Romans, where I, it, they would span two chapters, and then one at the end that spans almost three chapters. Because with those, you're trying to really show the, the the context there of how all these different passages connect to mm-hmm. each other. That seemed to be a better way for me of communicating it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the context part's really interesting. I especially want to get into that with Jude once we start talking about Jude, because you do something really interesting with the context there. Yeah. Um, so. But but first, I'm still. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about um, just the, how the project began in the first place. So it's it it strikes me listening to you talk that that if you're if you're approaching it from a 
teaching aid standpoint, that it's to help people understand the tougher doctrines of scripture, it makes perfect sense that you would start with Romans, right? Because that's the powerhouse book in terms of foundational doctrines. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that actually, as I'm, as I'm hearing you explain it, that actually makes a lot of sense that, yeah, I think if you understand Romans, a lot of the other things you're going to encounter in the new Testament are going to, are going to make sense. It it sort of enlightens, uh, Paul speaks quite clearly there, um, where at other times it might be more more enigmatic what he's saying or mm-hmm. the other New Testament writers are saying. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think that's that's kind of our core our core elements, our core doctrines are are really laid out clearly in the book of Romans. Now Hebrews has some pretty enigmatic moments yeah. <laughs> in it. And that was your second project, right? After Romans you went to Hebrews. Yeah, we did. So what was the thought process there? Really, after we did Romans, the my main criteria for which book we did next is it had to be short. And that's the funny thing is that I told my wife asked me, like, can we do something small now? Because Romans was was extremely difficult. We'll talk about the recording process later, but everything about Romans was hard. Um, Didn't have any money uh, for it. And it's just, it's, it's such a big, it's a, it's a big thing to try to digest in an album's worth of time. Right. I mean, Romans is 23 tracks and that for some people might seem like a lot of music, but it could easily have been, you know, twice as long without stretching it. Mm-hmm. And so Romans being the, uh, the mountain that it was, we wanted to do something smaller. And so we looked at smaller epistles and I had some in mind and then uh, one of my uh, friends and mentors, George H. H. Guthrie, he used to uh, teach here. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he had he'd been a uh, a close friend and talking about solo stuff and was picking his brain one time. And he, you know, he's a, a Hebrew scholar. And so he says, I really think you should do Hebrews. I was like, I really think I should do something else other than Hebrews because Hebrews, like you said, it's it's just hard to understand. It's uh, full of old tabernacle priestly language. Um, the the structure is less linear, and it's Romans. a it's a style of communicating that is it doesn't lend itself to reading. It's the kind of thing you kind of have to hear yeah. for it to make sense. It's yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And so when we were thinking through that, I I'm, was talking to some the people in our group about which letter to next. And one of the the people, Matt Battistelli, he said, "Well, you know, the thing with Romans that was I guess if anything was successful." is that it helped to clarify a book that for a lot of people is hard to understand. Some people do struggle with, with Romans because it's a lot of lingual, legal language. And yeah. if you don't have a really a, a context for understanding it, it can be challenging. And he made the point that Hebrews is the same way. Hebrews is something that people, they don't take the time to, to read because it's it's hard. It is it is very difficult. You have to have a, a good understanding of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, mm-hmm. to really understand what he's, he's pointing out. So... That and some other things helped to convince me to do Hebrews next, and boy, was that one tough. That, uh, yeah. So there's a lot of things that I was trying to to do with with Hebrews, and um, yeah, I think think it, it all kind of panned out the way I wanted to. But yeah. um, again, our our goal, one of our goals, is just to to give people a fresh experience with this it, for for believers who have read Romans and Hebrews and Jude their whole lives. This is just then another way for them to look at it, to have fresh ears with it, to, to make the familiar unfamiliar. And then for people who have never read Romans or Hebrews or Jude or whatever before, this can maybe be the entryway to think, 
now that if you understand the overarching story of the letter, then it can kind of bring you into understanding, trying to study the, the details of it. Yeah. Well, man, it really helps with memorization too. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that people say that. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that Angela, you know, my wife has talked to me about, especially with Romans is that she, now when she reads parts of Romans, she hears the music, mm-hmm. you know, and she, it, it helps uh, absorb it into her spirit. Um, and it makes me think of people like uh, uh, Martin Luther taking the, the old tavern songs and putting uh, mm-hmm. doctrinal truths to them in a right. way that people can easily access. So, yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're we're yeah. glad for that. Um, so, you have got, so you've got Romans and then you've got uh, Hebrews and now you've done a much smaller one with Jude. Yeah. Yeah, so we finally did a smaller one. And uh, yeah, so the decision for the third album was, it was a difficult one. It's because Romans and Hebrews are both the, the big heavy hitters in the New Testament yeah. epistles catalog. And um, we wanted to do something, I wanted to do something that was completely different than that. Because whatever, really, whatever we did next, it, in one sense, it wouldn't match up to Romans and Hebrews just because the, our source material, uh, they're both such glorious, uh, weighty letters and it's easy for our listeners to expect other letters to behave the same way they do. So if I had done something like Ephesians or Galatians, um, which are maybe comparable in, in those ways, I think it would have, it would have been, it would have been hard. So I wanted to do something that was completely different. Um, from an artist, artistic standpoint, and so Jude is about as different as you can get, yeah. in, both in size, and uh, it doesn't focus on the soteriology of, of Romans or the Christology of Hebrews so much. It's more about defending the faith uh, when when those those doctrines that Paul and the author of Hebrews were talking about when those are being threatened, then how do we respond? And so that's that drew me to it, and. Um, yeah, the shorter size, doing something smaller. We wanted to have, uh, I wanted to have more of a minimalistic approach to the music, and uh, really not. I wanted to help not develop a pattern for us musically. Um, I think Jude exhibits this characteristic solo sound, and I wanted it to, but I also didn't want us to kind of work ourselves into a, a box musically speaking. And so, sure. um, Jude not having guitars at all or really didn't have much drums. It was more percussion-based. Those are some intentional musical decisions to separate it, uh, to be more poetic, more minimalistic with it. So, yeah, glad we did. Jude was it was hard to write. It's, it, I think it, take, it took as much time to write Jude as it did Hebrews. Which Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, think I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, it's surprising, and it's surprising to me, too. But I think because it was smaller, it was difficult. How do I... How do I maximize my musical musical content without overstaying stuff? And so it was just the balance there was was harder for me. It, it, yeah. it, it took a lot of going back and forth and yeah. deliberating as to the best way to approach it. So balance, that's an interesting topic because you've got the music and you've got the lyrics and both are equally important, right, for this experience. So how do you balance... I don't know, is it is it ever a choice where you have to prioritize one over the other or do you just try to keep them equally strong in the writing process? How do you, do you spend as much time on the music as you do the text or does one kind of come more naturally to you than others? 
the lyrics are harder for me to write. I'm, okay. I'm not, I'm not a great writer with words. Um, I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm proud of what I, I, I do, but it takes me a lot, a lot of time to do it. And yeah. I think more talented writers could do it quickly and more naturally. So I labor over my words, and I labor over the music as well, but that's, that is more natural for me to write. But you're right, it is, it's finding the balance between those two. You don't want one to overpower the other. That's the beauty of, of a song, is that it, it has both subjective music and objective word on top of each other. Yeah. And um, the combination can be powerful in communicating truths. Yeah. But there's artistic liberty in, in both of those, and so it's also... Um, Letting that, letting the music and the art breathe, so that it does have shape and it, it is it is alive in a respect. But I don't. My musical decisions are always tethered to the text, and my lyrical decisions are always tethered to the text of. Because I'm taking prose, what Paul or whoever the writer says. And then rendering it as as poetry. So whenever you do that, you're distancing yourself to some degree from the the original text. Mm-hmm. But that that's the beauty of it. It's, it's poetry allows us to think about it in a, a different way and uh, to use different techniques and structures. And then letting the music balance that and to be a vehicle for communication of that. Now, who all is involved in the writing process? Do you and your wife do that together, or is that just you? Uh, so when we. F- First, with Romans, my wife um, was was really involved. Uh, she's a very talented musician, much okay. much more talented um, performer than I am. Great piano player, great singer, and good writer as well. And so she helped to write a couple of songs and uh, on on Romans and s- some lyrics. And then she helped out with lyrics for one song on Hebrews. But I mean, she's my sounding board for everything. Sure, so she. She deserves a lot of credit. At Jude, I, I did that one more by myself, and the really re- the reasoning is is we had a child um, in 2015, and so it became difficult to 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 partner as much on those things. Um, but yeah, so it's it's mainly just me in the in the writing process. Um, yeah, but always bouncing ideas off of people I trust. Yeah, yeah, including the other musicians involved mm-hmm. yeah so especially thomas and kelsey thomas and kelsey uh thomas griffith kelsey edgren are the man both of those guys are super vocalists. talented yeah they are and i'll uh, i guess i tell a quick story of how i got connected with them so our first album we ever did in, in 2012 was called slave songs and it was an exploration of the biblical metaphor of spiritual slavery how we were born slaves of sin but god through christ delivered us out of that slavery and then made us slaves to himself and so we, my wife and I did all the performing and all the singing uh, on that album all by ourselves. And we did it, I mean, it was about as cheaply and as unprofessionally as possible. And then we moved back to Jackson in 2012 around that time. And um, when the idea of Romans started to uh, really come into full fruition, I knew that it, we needed to find other people to help us do it. We, we love performing, but it's, it's not our forte. We don't mm-hmm. like the touring and traveling as much as, as others do. And so let's see, in that time I met Thomas and Kelsey when they were both freshmen here at union and, um, got to know them, their musical gifts. I heard Kelsey on like open mic nights. And then yeah. Thomas was in men's choir, which I was helping to direct and was just blown away by their voices, their musical talent, their, just the organic way they approach music it never felt forced it just felt like this is music overflowing from a person 
And so I approached both of them early on about, hey, I have this idea of taking the whole book of Romans and putting it to music. You in? <laughs> and amazingly, they said yes. And so they've uh, graciously been involved on every album since then, even on Church Songs, our little EP. And uh, yeah, so they're, they're good. And before each album, what I'll do is uh, once I have the music pretty much all written, you know, 90%, 95%, I'll get together with the two of them and I'll show them all the music, make sure it fits in their voices like I was hoping. And um, they're great at giving me feedback of this may not work this well, this, this as work as well as you think it does. Or so their feedback is, is pivotal. Thomas especially has a uh, great year for production for really all aspects of music. Um, they're both yeah, talented, sweet people and a pleasure to work with. That's, that's a, a point that I think a lot of, people who enjoy music but aren't musicians don't realize is that the the craft of sound production and the craft of performing music are very different things and to find someone who can do both really well is is rare yeah it is it's hard uh, to do both i think that's why a lot of songwriters and artists will work with a producer yeah but i think from my composition background my mind has always been a, a composition is not just the bare bones of the lyrics and melody and chord chord progressions. It's it's the instrumentation, it's the orchestration, it's the um, layering of, of musical ideas, the, the texture that you create. And so, I'm musical production isn't uh, the main thing I do, but it's I guess it's something I've kind of incidentally fallen into of just kind of shaping music and thinking about how to what instruments do we need here. But yeah, that's always been something that I've had help with, especially with with Thomas and some others yeah do you you enjoy certain parts of the process more than others i mean you said that you're not as big a fan of the touring Mm -hmm. do you like the writing more than the the sound production or is it all kind of the same the same thing i definitely enjoy writing the most okay it's it's a long labor it can be frustrating and discouraging at times but i think that's where I'm, i'm the most comfortable the reason i do for example, I engineer all of our albums as well. The reason I do that is because out of necessity, I've, I, I can't afford someone else to do that. Sure. I do all the marketing myself for the same reasons. Well, it seems afford. to be working well so far for you. <laughs> well, thanks. It's, yeah, but it's, it, those are not things I enjoy might be too strong, but it's, those are things that I wish I had, I wish I could spend more time just writing. Uh, but that's, that's the reality of, of running your own ministry and limited resources uh, and touring. Like I've, I, I enjoyed that more now than I used to because at most I'll play piano and say a few words before and after, uh, but I don't have to sing for two hours anymore. And so I, that is fun. I, I do enjoy our times just traveling together and meeting people, at these different churches, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of aspects involved in, in the work we do. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a multi dimensional experience yeah. for the creator. So it would, it would make sense that there are some parts of it that are more fun than others. I mean, right. it's that way with everything. Mm-hmm. So let, let's take Jude as an example from, I guess, inception of the idea, like we're going to do Jude. Okay. From that until album release, what percent of the time is spent writing and what percent is recording? And then I guess all the editing that comes mm-hmm. after that. Yeah, even before the writing, there's a, a a good chunk of time of studying. Let's see, we're trying to think whenever I even started to do this. I think last summer, 
is when I first started studying Jude heavily. Before you grabbed a pen and started writing, it's... Yes, in yes. uh, the same way with, with Hebrews as well. I, I spent a lot of time just studying. Um, actually, I was able to sit in with a class with Dr. Guthrie for, for Hebrews, which helped. And I, it's very important for me to make sure I, I, I understand as broadly as, as possible, like as comprehensively as possible, what letters are about, are about from start to finish. The main theme. The main themes, um, yeah. So I, I try to think about how, if I were to explain Hebrews, for example, in just one sentence, how would I do that? Or then two sentences or three sentences, and you can go out from there. Yeah. Because it's when you write the music in these words, it's, it's, it is trying to maintain this centrality of this narrative, even though you're bouncing all around stylistically or whatever with the music, but you want to create continuity between that and this focus of ultimately this is what this story is about. And so I study it. I spend a lot of time studying form and structure of the letters. That's very, very important to me. And that that shapes heavily my musical structures and my lyrical structures as well with the poetry. So by form, you mean like outline? Yeah, so I'll look at a lot of outlines, and I'll study, I'll study all different types of commentaries during that process because I like to see, one, what are, what are the things that everybody agrees on, most commentaries are going to agree on, and then two, what are the nuances of people's interpretation? Because at the end of the day, what we're doing is we are creating an artistic presentation of, of something which there's liberty there for us to maybe use a slightly different, like a musical form that we wanted to, we thought would be a good vehicle for communicating it. So there's, there's freedom there for us to do that. And yeah, but if, if I can, if I can bring out the, the structure of the letter as much as I, as I can, then I, I try to do that with, so with Hebrews, for example, the, the challenge there was, well, I guess I'll even back up to Romans, Romans one through 11 is all exposition. That's just, Paul talking about our salvation through Christ. He's not really offering any commands during that. And then at chapter 12, he pivots, therefore, and he goes on to, to give us our exhortations. So that's, that's the exhortation part from really 12 to, to the end of 16. Hebrews, for example, uh, on, I guess on the other hand, it is this bouncing back and forth between exposition and exhortation, which um, was something I had to deal with. And it's not and as I say, linear, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different way of looking at it. So wrapping my mind around that and then finding out where, where does the exposition pop up or where does the, ex- the exhortation interrupt, those things are very key um, to understand and to make sure I knew how to address those before I start writing music. And then at some point in that process, during the study process, I'll start um, playing around with musical ideas. It's, it, and then at that point, it's coming up with the musical language for the album, each album intentionally has its own musical language. I'm primarily a tonal composer, uh, but I I try to give different shades and colorings to my tonal language. And so for Hebrews, I, I had a very specific musical vocabulary that I was using for that. And then for Jude, I had to come up with what, what I wanted that to be that I thought best represented the sound of this. It's trying to find the sound of the, yeah. of the letter, yeah. the sound of the album. And then from there, I'll start kind of unraveling that sound and trying to figure out, okay, then how do I then map this out uh, throughout all the verses of the letter? So yeah, for, so for Jude, I guess it was probably, when did I start writing Jude? I probably started writing it last fall at some point. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, wrapped it up 
But you of, had been studying it and preparing before then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, last summer. So about a year ago is when I, or maybe probably before then, yeah, maybe last late spring, studying it, writing maybe throughout the summer and spring or in fall. Yeah, and then that's a, that's a long process, and it's going back and forth of, here's a song, but it's not really doing it for me, so I have to scratch that song. And So the whole, the whole process with Jude has been well over a year then. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah, yeah uh, and I think, math's correct, I spent about four months writing all of Hebrews, and I had to orchestrate after that. And then looking back, that was a short amount of time for so much music, and I, but I think Jude probably took might have taken longer to to get all that 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 those those just thirty minutes worth of music ironed out the way I wanted it to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, I mean, just speaking as a listener, it's very cohesive and it all works together very nicely. And a big part of that, what helps, is uh, that very unusual intro that you have at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It actually, you know, when I first started playing it, I was like, "What is going on?" And then as the as the music progresses and as the album goes, somewhere about halfway through, it just kind of all fit together. Mm-hmm. And I realized what that intro was in the first place. And it was interesting because you you not only created a sound cohesiveness to it, but you also helped to bring out the context of the letter at the same time. Yeah. So how did you, what, what was that, how did that thought process go? And achieving that is why the writing for me takes so long. I think yeah. anyone, anyone can just quickly, you know, spit out music and here's 17 songs and they're all kind of based off of different verses. And we're trying to do something more. We're trying to achieve that, that cohesiveness. And, and when you bring your listener in, even from the first sound they hear, you're, you're teaching them what they're listening for. Most listeners aren't thinking, you know, consciously about this, but as composers, this is what we, we think about is sure. the first notes that they hear, this, the first set of notes or a three, uh, set of three notes, then you, you've already taught them what this music is about. And so, um, like for Jude, I knew I wanted to, I knew there's certain themes that I wanted to maintain. The fighting for the faith uh, from verse three, that's, I mean, that's... Um, Probably the theme verse for that that we're we're called to you know contend for the faith, the reality of the false teachers that he starts off in verse four and following, um, and that's the bulk of the the letter is describing these false teachers and how God's going to judge them. Right. Then also another layer of it is um, the fact that God can will keep us throughout all of it, and I always write in what I, I call musical layers and, and lyrical layers as well. It's these conceptual ideas that I'm stacking on top of each other to create this composite narrative. And I have, uh, I try to exercise a lot of control over each layer to make sure it aligns and fits together with the other layers so that everything comes out the way I want to. And that takes, that takes time. Another layer was that I wanted it to be a chiasm. I had uh, intentionally decided to structure Jude as a chiasm. There's, I forget the the guy's name. I think it's um, Wendland is his last name. Uh, who wrote this article about how Jude could be understood as a as a big chiasm? Yeah, and his argument is very uh, compelling. I think I read first read about it in a Gordon Fee commentary, and I thought even if this isn't what Jude had in mind, he was writing in a chiastic structure. Man, that's a, it's a neat way of of approaching it. And um, so I'm trying to think as you're talking, how do I describe? 
chiasm verbally without actually seeing it. Yeah, it's a it's, very, visual, it's a very thing. visual thing. So I'm trying to think of a way to explain it. The, the opening part of the letter corresponds to the end of the letter mm-hmm. by, it could be a phrase or a theme. It just all depends on who's doing the writing. It's right. an artistic way to make it all cohesively work together. And then the second thing that is said in the letter corresponds to the second last thing Mm -hmm. and it continually works inward. So the crux of the message is in the middle. Right. Yes. That's a, that's a great way of explaining it. You can think about it. Um, like if you have a form that's a B C and then the next thing is then what we might call B prime, which is somehow related to B from above then a prime. So yeah, it's, it, it opens up and then it unfolds folds the opposite way. And, uh, yeah, so Jude, the, uh, I, I, I think the article I read, I thought it was, um, very persuasive and I thought I, I, I that's, an, that's how I'd like to communicate it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, in a, in a primarily oral culture, when these things were spoken aloud, it was an easy way, one for the speaker to remember what he's saying, but also for the listeners to really sure. get the theme. Yeah, so. that's right. It, it, it developed from the oral tradition, um, yeah, so it, it does help us to remember things. Um, and so, but I didn't want the chiasm to like make make all the decisions based on this chiastic structure. I wanted that yeah. to fit naturally underneath and support the narrative. But you're right. So then at the crux of the chiasm then is sort of a climax. And uh, all storytellers know that you can't climax. In one sense, you can't climax in the middle of a story. Right, right. Yeah from the the viewpoint of the the, the chiasm it, it, there is a climax we can say a, a culminating point a peak there so I wanted it to be a peak not the peak so yeah so I was fitting all those things in together and then yeah then it's it's trying to make all those work well where the listener's not aware of all of those 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 things it's well even though even though it's not at the forefront of your mind when you're listening to the album, you see it with the titles laid out right. the way you've got it. You're, yeah. you're bringing it out in the, the, uh, the, the track title list, right. which is really interesting. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we weren't too subtle about that. I wanted, again, it's teaching my listeners what to listen for. Yeah. And I wanted the tra- track titles to help them to hear that because yeah, yeah it's, so it's due to 17 tracks. So that means track one and track 17 share some similarities, track two and track 16 are the same in a, in a way. So, yeah, so really, that's another thing about, quirky thing about Jude is that it was really, I wrote nine songs and then I just had to write eight um, kind of variations on those songs. But mm-hmm. I think even that was, was challenging to do and thinking about how I wanted to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting stuff to talk about. <laughs> that's cool. So you were talking about format earlier and in, in how some of them are more linear and uh, some of them are clearly defined sections. What we're talking about with Jude is in some ways a lot more difficult thing to manage uh, to make sure that everything kind of refers back to everything else in this yes. kind of cross-referenced mm-hmm. structure. Right, yeah, and the, and the structure I decided to go with, yeah, and I had to, I had to figure out, I didn't want the, the mirrored songs to be, you know, exact imitations, their, their variation, their counterpart. Right to um, their preceding preceding tracks, and I had to think about what what elements did I want to to continue and to to reflect in that. And, and then, you actually added another layer on top of it by incorporating a couple pieces from Hebrews, right? Yes, and that's something I we did in, we did with Hebrews and referencing Romans, and yeah. we'll, we'll try to do 
moving moving forward, we th- I think it's helpful for just as when you read the book of Hebrews, you should in your mind or physically be cross referencing that with other places of scripture. You let scripture interpret scripture, and to show the the connectivity of, of that. Uh, for example, in Hebrews, um, borrowed stuff from Romans, and now in Jude, I've borrowed stuff from Hebrews, and I'm wanting to create this entire sound universe where it's all part of the same story. It's all part of the same musical journey. And so it'll it'll be a natural thing as we keep writing these to, uh, for example, uh, a clear example, Second uh, Peter chapter 2 and 3 is almost verbatim the whole hmm. book of Jude. So whenever I get there, I'll have to figure that out. But, I mean, it, it'll make sense that I'm not writing brand new material for Second Peter 2. It's going to be some way connected to to Jude, and so I have lots of ideas for that. But yeah, yeah it is, it is, it's the connectivity between albums across albums that uh, we want to maintain. That yeah. Has anybody suggested Revelation yet? Yeah, we get that one a lot, and um, I look forward to doing that if I am I'm, I'm able to. I've we've limited ourselves. Uh, I've limited ourselves to the twenty one New Testament letters, the epistles. Um, and Revelation, you can think about it as a as an epistle. That's fine. But it's got some letters in there, <laughs> right? Uh, the, yeah. If whenever we do Revelation, that will be a very big and overwhelming yeah project. But it, I'm excited about the prospect of doing it one day. We'll we'll see if we get yeah. around to it. Yeah. Well. Um. So, in terms of the the writing process, is this a seven days a week thing? Or is it something uh, that you come back to after a couple of days? Like, how does that work? It 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 varies. I mean, I I saw this certainly isn't my uh, my full time job. I mean, right. So during Jude, writing of Jude, I was um, working full time in Res Life and then teaching full time in the music department. Essentially, so it's something that I've, I I have to do in the cracks of my schedule. But I mean, it is. It is something that I think it's always in the back of my mind, and my wife can tell you all about that. It's it's hard to kind of put those thoughts out of my mind. So the, the lyric writing especially, like I'll, I'll know that this is what I want to achieve for this song, and um, because I write lyrics slowly, I'll kind of write them um, when I, I have a moment to do that. I mean, do you feel like when you're in the writing phase – do you feel like you're just constantly in writing mode or are you able to kind of compartmentalize and just carve out a chunk of time and then, and then put it away when you're done? I try to do that, but I can't, I yeah. can't do that. It's, yeah. uh, it's for me, it becomes like once I enter into a season of writing, it's, it's, it's something that, uh, yeah, I, I just, I don't have the luxury of, um, like some songwriters, like they'll wake up at eight and they'll write till lunchtime, and like that's. But especially working in residence life, which is what we call a ministry of interruptions, it's yeah. we don't have that time to just write music, and so it is. It's finding time here, time there, and just trying to to make it work. Thankfully, the Lord has been gracious to allow me to have enough time to write these. Sure, things. yeah. So, what kind of what kind of discipline is involved in that? I mean, do you have to fight for that time or? Does it come pretty naturally? I mean, I don't. I think a lot of people don't realize how how much effort is involved in this sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah it, it requires discipline. It requires waking up early, um, 
uh, whenever whenever it's needed to. Uh, but again, with 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 composing, even if you devoted a lot of time to something, doesn't mean you're actually going to have anything to show for it. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot of times it's, it's giving yourself the opportunity to be inspired, sitting at the piano, and then, I mean, I, a lot of the music I've written has just been, I walk past the piano, I'll sit down for 30 seconds, and, ooh, I like that chord. Uh-huh. And then that blossoms into a, a song, uh, kind of just stumbling upon these, these accidents at times. But, yeah, it, I wish I had, maybe one day I will, um, where I could just set aside large amounts of time to, to write and stay in that mo- mode because it's it's hard to try to get in the creative mode and then have to send emails and mm-hmm. then you know do this or that. But that's that's the I like doing so many different other things too. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's my own fault for for doing that. And it's just yeah trying to trying to have a you know a full time job to support the family as well. We can't I can't do this in writing. Yeah, writing. yeah, that makes sense. Do you have a uh, a specific creative space? Or can you write anywhere? I haven't had a space uh, in the past, but we, we just moved into a house where there is a dedicated space for that. And uh, but yeah, it usually it's just it's it's ev- anywhere and everywhere. Or having yeah, I have had a little bit of an office space where I've um, tried to be creative. Um, but yeah, it, it, but it's it's kind of inspiration. I find inspiration everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's almost outside of your control in a way. Yeah. It yeah. almost happens kind of in, in spite of you. It's, yeah. yeah it's, at yeah. times, it's, that's exactly how it is. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, I would also love to talk with you, uh, time permitting, about church music, but is there anything else that you'd like to cover with Jude? Hmm. Oh, there's so much I could say about, about all of these um, yeah, uh, I could talk about the recording process if you want to be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So for all of the albums, um, our budget's been so small. Uh, for Romans, we we didn't have any budget, and uh, meaning that my, we were just we we're paying for it out of our own pocket, just because we we believed in this ministry so much, and so we had to do everything as inexpensively as possible, as DIY as possible. And so, working in Res Life, my. Uh, we I knew where uh, empty dorm rooms were and mattresses weren't being used. So the 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 process we came up with, um, we talked to my boss and all that those people about it as well. But um, we're just getting mattresses and we built what we call a mattress fort, um, which was just a big rectangular box which mattresses enclosing everything to create a dead space. And uh, we only had one microphone for Romans and it was just this little cheapo microphone, probably not as good as the one I'm even talking on right now. And we just we recorded everything single track, one at a time, and layered everything on top of each other, uh, just because that's all we all we could do. And then with the help of a, a brilliant mixer, uh, a guy named Dewey, um, we were able to, to piece all these together. So, but for all of these albums, we've we've gotten more mac- microphones since Romans, but we still do it one instrument at a time um, inside a fort of mattresses. <laughs> over the course of about two months um, because again it's, it's while working full time other things so we're just finding little pockets of, of time to do that um, but with all musicians that I've gotten to know over the course of my time here in Jackson and um, yeah what I've learned from it and if there's any aspiring creatives out there is don't let the lack of professional equipment prevent you from making art you know you don't have mm. to have the nicest thing on Sweetwater's website or anything like that. It's just 
just kind of got to do it and, um, you know, be a good steward of what you, what you have. And um, because I think if we had had that perspective of we have to do this in Nashville with a professional studio, I mean, it would cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And um, yes, it would have been better, but we would have, you know, we would have just spent way more money than we, we had. And um, so it's uh, stewardship is very important to us as a ministry um, for all the, the profit that we make or other donations we receive, we, we want to use everything well. And so we're committed to recording everything as inexpensively as possible, but also we wanting to achieve this as much as we can moving forward, this level of professionalism. And cause we want our art to, you know, to, to be captured as, as well as it can. Sure. Is it, is it hard to lose sight of the cohesiveness if you're doing just one track at a time? Like, is it hard to lose sight of the big picture? Uh, no, because that that's the engineering phase, and I have everything written before then, pretty much. And so I, I try to maintain all of that in uh, while I'm writing. So you kind of set the standard by scoring it, and then you just stick with the score, and you're good. Yeah, so I I'll, before musicians come in, it's all scored out, and I know what I want them to play. And things can be tweaked during that. But so you have instances where, as you're playing, you realize it would be better a different way? or mm-hmm. Okay. But minor things, uh, maybe a different type of bowing or a different type of trumpet mute. or yeah. um, But at that point, it gets difficult to really change anything serious. Though there have, there have been times when we realize, oh, that lyric isn't right, and we fix it on the spot. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. I just, I lost sight of, but yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite looking back a favorite part of recording Jude in particular? Ooh, I love, I love working with Thomas and Kelsey. Uh, those are, and we did all that in two days, which is, I guess it's short enough, which is not too, uh, too unsurprising or too. Yeah. But well, that's still quite a lot to yeah, cover in two days. Yeah, They're, they're just, it's man, they're talented. A wide range of musical instruments mm-hmm. and yeah. I enjoy working with them. Um, they are they're very creative in them themselves, and so a lot of the the, the harmony stuff I let them them piece together because they okay. have a great ear for harmony. Yeah, and uh, it's just it's a pleasure seeing their minds work and collaborating between the three of us. And that's, yeah, that's I love working with instrumentalists as well, and I put so much into that all my the scoring for the accompaniment. But um, at the end of the day, it's about the communication of the words, and so that not only is my favorite part, but it's probably the most important part of the recordings uh-huh. process. Yeah. How did you record the tape recorder part? Oh, yeah. So that was, yeah, that, there was, we found different sound effects and did some things ourselves. Um, so all of the, the people that you hear doing the spoken parts, I did all of that recording, uh, people from our local church, actually. Okay. Uh, but that was fun for them. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I gave them a, I just gave them a script and, you know, I told them to say certain, certain lines and, yeah. and then it was really their, their performance that brought it, brought it to, brought it to life. Yeah. So that was special, and that's a pretty important part of the album. I mean, that it, it's that section that, by the end, you realize has kind of tied everything together. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's the frame. The frame narrative of it all is, it's for Jude. Again, it's it's these different layers of the narrative, and an important one for me was making it seem as if. A, the, the the actual recipients of the original recipients of the letters were being interviewed, and them looking back and saying God kept us, and that's what I wanted to to do with using people uh, of an older age group and them like looking back and saying He kept us and asking these questions, would He be able to keep us? We wondered at times these things like that, 
but it's real people. I think he gives it the authenticity of it's real souls that Jude was writing to, and he, mm-hmm. he cared about these real people. And but another reason why I did that the tape player is it helped me to introduce this idea of rewinding and fast forwarding, which is sort of what a chiasm is. It yeah. it moves forward and then it works backwards. And so I was able to subtly introduce that idea of things moving backwards. And um, then whenever things do start physically actually moving backwards, they've been prepared for that. They 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 have that 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 concept in mind that will help to account for all the musical decisions that then take place after Will Cries. Well, it also ties in with the theme of judgment because it's got kind of a courtroom feel to it, mm-hmm. um, especially when the witnesses part you know kicks in. Yeah, it it's not just that the tape recorder is playing, but it's it's listening to the testimonies yep. and the witnesses involved. Yep. So that's it's right. a yeah, kind that's of a brilliant way to tie it all together. So yeah, thank yeah you. that's that's fun. Um, so that's the recording part. Any other interesting tidbits about the recording process? Let's see for Jude. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think by our third album, we had kind of figured out what we were doing. And so it, it finding went, a groove. Yeah. It went yeah. pretty smoothly. The instrumentation was simpler. Um, I mean, yeah, basically woods, woodwinds, brass and, and strings, per- percussion. David Key did our percussion. He's, He's so good with that stuff, and um, really happy with what he what he came up with. Yeah, a recording. I mean, it it got delayed um, a lot. We had planned to have Jude out in the spring, but just providentially, it worked out that we needed to release it in, in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just making sure because we don't want to just release something we're not proud of, and so we was sure. waiting till we really had everything in line and making sure it all fit together because Jude. Because the letter's quirky, I didn't mind being quirky with the, the my approach to the music. So I took some risks at times, and I think I moved slowly through everything, just making sure, can I get away with this this risk of tape player sounds? And it's not something you hear much in contemporary music or you know spoken text that you then, then turn into melodies. I, yeah. You don't really yeah. hear much of that in, in popular music. And so I just wanted to make sure I wasn't going to alienate my listeners at all by giving them something that they probably weren't expecting, but is it still accessible enough to get into the music? And then once you get into the music and you can listen to it, then receiving that message clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the variety of styles could definitely be called quirky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 I mean, there's everything from like a, a, a sailor song mm-hmm. to um, like kind of a, a more jazzy type of a jazzy type of piece. Right. There's a little bit of uh uh, what seemed to me to be kind of uh, Eastern Asian influence mm-hmm. involved. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, you have quite a range. My approach to composing is, I think, for a lot of artists, uh, composers, uh, in, yeah, singer-songwriters, it's style is kind of this rigid thing that I am this type of writer. And um, But I've always thought style is a fluid thing, and you can move yeah. in and out of styles, and you can make them overlap and fuse together. It's just one way of, of kind of shaping music. And so, yeah, I did a little bit of that in Romans and Hebrews, uh, probably uh, actually a lot of that in Romans and Hebrews. And then with Jude, um, because all the songs are miniatures, which is another hard thing about writing Jude. I still wanted to have this. I, once I know where my passages are and how I'm dividing my source material, it's like, for example, for Hidden Reefs, the one you talked about, the the sea shanty, 
um, once I knew that that was going to be called Hidden Reeves, and I was kind of pulling out that imagery from verses uh, 12 and 13, then I thought, well, this just makes sense to take a sea shanty and then build a song out of that. Um, for the Body of Moses song, the whole jazz jazz bit, that was just such a wild story. And the only way I could think about matching that type of eccentricity was through something as wild as jazz. And so I tried to let the the passages give me the ideas of what style should go with this and what will best, in my mind, express what the, the passage is saying. And again, it's, it's, it's being imaginative. I want to bring my listeners into this world. Yeah. And um, yeah. obviously when people read certain verses, they don't think about jazz or whatever, but it's my way of saying, well, here's this colorful presentation of it that I think is, is true to Scripture. It's always important to, to be very consistent and close to Scripture with everything, but it's saying, hey, try to experience it this way and then see how that, that affects the way you then understand what, it, what it's saying. Yeah, well, bringing them along on the journey musically helps. It Well, it facilitates listening to the whole thing as a whole. Yeah. Because it makes it not just about that one track. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, you know, it's hard to think of it at any one track as a standalone. Mm-hmm. Although, with that said, Body of Moses is a pretty great, <laughs> it would make a pretty great single. Yeah, it, there, there are some songs that stand out in the end, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't write, I don't write singles on these albums. It's, yeah. it's funny, my approach is um, very similar to Pink Floyd. I was highly influenced by Pink Floyd growing up. Um, their concept albums, The Wall, Dark Side of the Moon. Mm. And they're the same thing, same, same way they didn't really write singles. Some singles would emerge from their music, but yeah. it was part of this larger web of, of the album. Yeah. And same thing yeah. for us is, it's, it, and that's the way we want to see that all scriptures God breathed, not just your favorite verses are God breathed. It's all God breathed. And so you want to, you want to sh- highlight them all as valuable and all saying something about who God is and who we are as creation and redemption through Christ. And, um, yeah, it's making them all, all connect to each other and have their own little, own little world. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, well, we're real quick. We're gonna have to go in just a couple minutes real quick. Um, as a church music leader, um, do you have any, any tips from your experience in, in that world? Cause it's a different style of music, you know, mm-hmm. it's more participatory. Right. It's less about the listening. Yeah. Yeah. A, a lot I could say here, uh, worship that the whole topic of Christian worship is something I, I care a lot about. And, uh, the intersection of music with Christian worship is something that's important to me. It's what my master's thesis was about. about. And so, in one sense, what I do with solos is different than local church worship, but it's also it, it, there's similarities there in the way I, I approach writing music for solos. Is so if you think about it, the local church con- con- context of or singing together, um, it's it's something that it's, it's uh, we learn from scripture that's supposed to be edifying. Paul says in First Corinthians fourteen, supposed to be clear. Um, and I have a lot of uh, kind of guidelines that I follow when picking out music. I want my music to be consistent with scripture, of course, but I, I, I value music that is theologically rich in its lyrics and that are not just kind of like wishy-washy and sort of sort of have to do with God, but I want my the people who sing in our church and to know that this is this is the God of the Bible. And um, there's there's music out there. You have to that. weed through a lot of songs to get to those good ones. Yeah, I mean, we use um, we use a, hymn, a hymnal in our church. We have um, a song folder that I'll add newer stuff to because I'm certainly not opposed to new music, obviously. Sure, I, I write it, but um, yeah, there's there's certain things that I 
I want our church to feed on musically during this time of worship. And so that, and, but there's also the musical decisions of making sure it's singable. The tune is something that they can, they can kind of wrap their, their ears around and their voices around that it's, uh, it's, it's the, it's emotional in a healthy sense of that. It's kind of like spirit and truth worship that it's, it's our heart and our head. We're singing with both of those. Um, so intellectually about the, who God is, uh, the, theologically correct stuff, and then also music that can, speaks to our heart. That's okay. It, it can certainly swing too far. But, um, yeah, so all these things I think about. And uh, whenever I pick out songs for our church, it's try to always compliment what the, the pastor's preaching on. He preaches exegetically. He's in uh, Revelation right now. So it's songs that are going to align with what he's going to be teaching. Um, sure. So that it really it's the music is then, in another sense, supporting the, the the ministry of the word, which is I mean that's the central part about a, a Sunday morning service is, is we're here to hear God speak to us through Scripture. Um, so yeah, and then it's doing it, you know, and it's doing it, trying to do it well and with excellence at all times. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you try to make sure that every song fits all those criteria, or do you let them kind of balance each other out? Each each time I pick up music, it's. It's going to be different to some degree. Um, there's certain things that I'll, I won't budge on of, you know, good, solid words. Um, sometimes the music, I can't find songs that are going to match with the, the sermon text perfectly, so that's okay. They don't have to. There's no there's no obligation to do that. I just benefit in that when I can. Um, but in one sense, if every part of Scripture is about the gospel, ultimately it all goes back to that. You know, it's always safe to just hover, hover there about songs about Christ and our redemption through, through His uh, His sacrifice. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's also thinking about well, where's our church at right now? What do they, what, what do I think is going to help best to facilitate worship? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes to maybe challenge them so we're not getting too comfortable with our, yeah. our music making. That it's just yeah. we're doing it out of ritual. It's important that we are always singing intentionally and thinking about intentionally using our minds to think through the words, not just zoning out. It's not a time of zoning out on Sunday mornings. So it's engaging our hearts, engaging our minds, and um, songs that glorify God and don't glorify don't glorify us or don't... I, I don't want to just think about what are songs that people are going to like. Of course I want them to, to like them, but I don't... That's secondary. Same thing with, with Solos, my writing for Solos. At the end of the day, I don't... I'm not as concerned about whether or not people are going to l- love this music. I hope they do, of course, but my goal is to, to communicate the scripture in, in a way that, um, that I think is powerful and compelling. And so there's, there's lots of ways to go about, go about doing that though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is all very interesting. I, uh, I could talk about this for hours, but we should close out. Um, is there anything else that you would like, uh, our listeners to know about your your uh, your projects, especially Jude in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this is all new to you, you can visit our website at www.solos.com. And again, that's P S A L L O S. Uh, and on there, we have lots of lots of information. Uh, but you can stream everything uh, on our website. Just listen to it. We have all of our music available for f- streaming for free. Um, there's an online store where you can get CDs if you still do that. Um, yeah, and um, our goal is to take all the 21 New Testament letters and put them to music. That's kind of a 25 to 35-year goal that I, yeah. I have, yeah. and Lord willing, we'll continue in that. Uh, so uh, our, we'll start looking ahead to a, another project sometime soon, 
And um, if you want to support us, we have a Patreon page as well. Patreon is a way for people to uh, to provide ongoing support and financial support for us. These making these projects is um, it's just it's it's expensive. It's a lot of work, and we try to steward our money very well. Um, but if this is something you you enjoy and want to kind of help out with, there's a Patreon link on our website. But I think it's like Patreon.com/solos. And maybe we'll include it somewhere on a link on on this. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's just it's our joy to do it. We love we love what we get to do. We're very blessed to have had the ability to to do these three projects, and we ask for the Lord's blessing moving forward that we can can sustain this because um, we just we want to teach people Scripture. Um, we're learning that a lot of people just don't know how to read their Bibles, and mm-hmm. music is a way of of helping them to do that and uh, that's what we want we want people to be curious if they listen to Romans for example we want them to be curious as to okay well what's this music is is nice and it, it does something for me but but help them to go deeper with the letter so if you've listened to any of our music and you're curious more about um, what scripture says then hope these are entry ways for you and encourage you to actually go read them and look at uh, good study tools, commentaries, and just just enjoy the Word of God. And um, if you have questions, that's okay. It's the Bible, even for the people who've been reading their whole lives. It still at least still leaves questions, but um, it's it's something that is so good for your soul, and um, it answers the most important questions in life about who is God, is there a God, and um, what is sin, why do I make mistakes, and so ultimately talks about how uh, Christ died for all of us for our sins uh, to be a sacrifice for His people. And um, that's what that's what we want our music to do. We want our music to point to Christ in some way, in a way that the letters themselves point to Christ. Um, that's what we want to do. So yeah, check us out online, and we're on Spotify, Apple Music, all those online uh, ways of, of streaming music, and you'll probably find us somewhere. This is great, Cody. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, signing out. Hey, everybody. If you'd like to help us with this podcast, there are several different ways you can do that. One is to leave us a review. Another is to click subscribe. Um, You can share any episodes you particularly enjoy on social media for new listeners to hear. And also check out the show notes for where you can follow us because we'll be posting updates as this experiment continues to grow. So thanks for listening.